get this like I wanted to get it to late in the game, so to speak. And I've got a skeleton outline, but there's not as much meat on the bones as what I would like to have to do it justice. But uh, I, I do know that this is what God wants us to share tonight. We're going to read out of Proverbs chapter number 30. Hallie's been going back to Auburn, but it's good to see Madeline Amen. from Jacksonville. <laughs> right. Amen. And, uh, that's weird. That's weird to say that she's living in Jacksonville right now, but uh, such a joy to have her home this weekend. <coughs> Proverbs chapter number 30. Just read two verses, verse number 15 and 16. The horse leech hath two daughters. And if you ask me what a horse leech is, I don't know. <laughs> if you ask me what its two daughters are, I don't know. I, I tried to look up a horse leech in uh, Webster's Dictionary. says there is no such word. So. <laughs> that's, thankfully, that's not what God wanted me to preach on tonight. The horse leech hath two daughters, crying, give, give. Here's what I want to preach on. There are three things that are never satisfied, yea, four things. Say not, it is enough. The grave, the barren womb, the earth that is not filled with water, and the fire that saith not, it is enough. Amen. I want to preach to you on four things. That'll never be satisfied. Four things that will never be satisfied. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. God, we pray and ask that you'll help us and anoint us to preach. God, that you'll give us your heart, your burden, your thoughts. God, concerning this text tonight, and that God, that you'll speak to our heart by your spirit, that you'll stir us, oh God, that you'll let our, our spirit be moved, O oh God, toward the things that move you. And God, that we'll have victory in the areas that you desire to give us victory. And oh God, that we'll see revival in these last days. That is my prayer. God, revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee, the psalmist said. Grant it, we pray. Touch us, help us move for us around this altar. We'll be careful to praise you even now in advance. We ask it in Christ's name. You love the Lord, would you say amen? amen? Four things that will never be satisfied. He starts out by saying three things that are never satisfied, and then he says four things, say not that it is enough. And then he listed them in a short list, number one being the grave. And the Bible has a lot to say about the grave. If there is an empty plot tonight in the cemetery, it won't be empty long. The grave will never be satisfied until it has its prey. 
The Bible says that the grave is cruel. It said jealousy is as cruel as the grave. The grave is cruel in that it has no respect of persons regardless of who you are or what social status you may be. Doesn't matter if you're the newborn baby, one or two or three years old versus 80, 90, or 100. Doesn't matter if you're the baby. Doesn't matter if you're the grandmother or the grandpa, if you're the dad or the mom, if you're a king in a castle, or if you're the poor man in a, in a shack or a hut somewhere, the grave will be coming after you one day. Has no respect to persons. It's cruel in that regard. I've seen hardened men who never cry, only to be broken at the graveside of a loved one. Of, of a loved one. I've seen men that wouldn't cry over an altar, over, over their sin, or over their lost estate, only to stand at the foot of the bedside of a dying loved one and tears run down their face with no hope of ever seeing that loved one again. I've lived long enough to see the grave even hunger after churches and denominations. The saddest thing you'll ever witness in your life is the death of a church. The saddest thing you'll ever witness in your life is a dead church. Amen. But there is one who, thank God, mocks the grave. There's one who mocks the grave, Jesus Christ. How so? He triumphed over it. The Bible said, the Father speaking, I will not suffer my Holy One to see corruption. Meaning, I won't allow the grave to hold my son. The Bible said that death is the, is the wages of sin. And because Jesus never knew sin, it was impossible that the grave could hold him. Amen. Amen. It was impossible that the grave could hold Christ. In the Old Testament, before Christ, the Bible says death reigned. Sin came by the law and death by sin. And death reigned over every man because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Death reigned. But when Jesus, as the second Adam, and as the last Adam, if death reigned by one man through his disobedience, then life now reigns through one and his obedience and his righteousness. So, Death reigned before Christ, and now Christ reigns victorious over death. Those who die in the faith, death now only serves the Lord to usher them home. That's all death is, is a chariot ride home. We don't fear death, not as believers. Death has no victory at all over us. The grave is nothing to us. 
the grave. The Bible said that for you and I to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What's the grave to us? Nothing. Nothing but a place where they where we lay this body down and it gets held in reserve in a storage place until the Lord raises it incorruptible. But the grave has no victory. So as believers, we don't fear death. While the grave will never be satisfied, the grave is very soon to be abolished. Amen. There's coming a day when the grave is going to give up the dead. <laughs> I said there's coming a day soon where the grave is going to give up the dead and Christ will reign forevermore. Hallelujah. The resurrected, glorified church is going to reign with him and there'll be no more graves. There won't be a grave marker in, in New Jerusalem. When he creates a new heaven and a new earth, there won't be acres of ground ate up by cemeteries nowhere. There won't be a mausoleum, there won't be a tomb, and there won't be a tombstone. Nobody will visit nobody's grave because the grave is only going to be a distant memory. The Bible said the former things will be remembered no more. Death won't be talked about. There won't be another funeral preached. Amen. There won't be another funeral home. There won't be any need for a casket. I want to tell you, it's all going to be a distant memory. There's one while, great, while the grave will never be satisfied, there's one tonight who mocks the grave. There's one that while hell, David told uh, uh, Jonathan, when Jonathan was trying to convince him, hey, you're a part of our family, you're married to my sister, the king is your father-in-law, and while you think he wants to do you harm. That is Saul. I'm telling you, he really loves you. But David knew better. David knew that Saul had a jealous spirit on him. He was jealous because the kingdom had been ripped from Saul and God had given it to David. And the Bible said jealousy is as cruel as the grave. And Saul sought out David's life to kill him. And he said, hey, just come back home with me. You'll see how much my dad loves you. He said, I'm telling you. There is but a step between me and death. There's only one step. I'm one step ahead of that grave. If I slow down just a little bit, it's going to grab me. I know it feels that way with us sometimes. It feels that way even with a good church. All the hell is trying to trip us up and we're only one step away from shutting the door, so to speak. We're only one step away Amen, from uh, death uh, or the grave overtaking any of us. You're healthy today. Somebody could be shoveling dirt in your face tomorrow. That's just the way life works. James said life is like a vapor that appears only for a short time and then vanishes away and it seems as though the grave is never satisfied. The grave is a longing for my life. The grave is longing for your life. The grave is, uh, uh, spiritually so to speak, is longing to shut this church down. 
to, to shut every church down, to destroy all that pertains to life and spiritual victory. The grave will never be satisfied. Well, I want to tell you there's an answer to that tonight. There is one who mocks the grave and his name is Jesus. And Jesus said, you don't have to fear it. You don't have to worry over it. You don't have to let it trouble or bother your mind. There's victory in Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's victory in Jesus, and the Bible said that we will be we will be satisfied. The grave is never satisfied, but we are going to be satisfied when we awake in His likeness. Amen. Hallelujah! When we awake in His likeness, I want to tell you why the grave is never satisfied. We can be through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Four things that will never be satisfied. Number one, the grave. Number two is the barren womb. The barren womb will never be satisfied. All throughout the scripture, we're given examples of the barren womb. Sarah, who we preached about this morning, her dead womb dominated her testimony until she was 90 years old. And we read this text this morning, but at 90 years old, out of her own mouth and with her own lips came this praise in Genesis 21 and 6. And Sarah said, God have made me to laugh so that all that here will laugh with me. You understand that from a young girl all the way till 90 years old, women have not been laughing with Sarah. Women have been laughing at Sarah. Because the dead womb mocked her. The barren womb is never satisfied. That barren womb says, give me children lest I die. The barren womb will never be satisfied producing nothing. Her dead womb dominated her testimony and it mocked her all the way until the age of 90. And at 90 years old, she still wasn't satisfied with being buried. But her own testimony, God has made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me, not at me. Right. Verse 7, she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. I want to tell you at 90 years old the barren womb will still cry out give me children lest I die. And Rachel who can forget Rachel in Genesis 30 and verse number 1 when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel and he said Am I in God's stead who hath withheld, withheld from thee the fruit of the womb? She said, Behold, my maid Billah, go in unto her, and she shall bear upon my knees that I may have children by her. And she gave him Billah, her handmaid, to wife. And Jacob went in unto her, and Billah conceived and bare Jacob a son. And I want to tell you something. All Billah's babies could not... Stop the barren womb in Rachel 
from crying out for her own children. Hallelujah. I said all Bilhah's babies could not stop the barrenness of Rachel and the cry in her own heart, give me children lest I die. And then here it is in Genesis 30 and 22. And God remembered Rachel. And God hearkened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bare a son. And said, God have taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. Hallelujah to God. It didn't matter to her. It is she said, take Bill of my handmaid, go in under her. She'll bear your children on my knees. I'll adopt them. I'll feel, you know, I'll feel satisfied. I want to tell you, listen, there's a cry that ought to be in every church. The Bible said that those that sow in tears shall reap in joy, shall reap in mercy. And soon, as Zion travailed, she brought forth children. And there's only one way for souls to be born into the kingdom of God. And that is through travail. That is through travail. That is through the tears of the saints. That is when God hears us crying out and weeping over the lost souls of humanity. That's the only way I know that revival is going to come to the church. It's when the church again travails with God in prayer. It's the only way sons and daughters will be born and added to the kingdom. It's one thing to get a few church transfers for somebody else to bear them, for somebody else to birth them, and they come over and join your church. That's good. But it ain't like seeing them get saved. It ain't like seeing them get saved. I, you know, I, I've already made the statement, the saddest thing you'll ever see is the death of a church. And I tell people, you know, I'm not talking about people that just church hop. For some people, they didn't leave the church. The church left them. There is such a thing as a church dying out from under you. Amen. The word ain't getting preached and the spirit ain't moving. There, you know, you need to go find a church somewhere that's going to preach where the Spirit of God can move and you and your family can be edified. I completely understand that. But do you know too many churches, that's the only growth they ever have is not for men and women being born again out of the bondage of sin. It's only when somebody else from another church comes in because they're changing churches. I want to tell you why Billa can have her children and you might get to raise them, Rachel. It ain't going to take away from the longing in your heart that, that I want to see God give birth through me. I want to witness to somebody. I want to tell somebody that don't know Jesus about the Savior and I want to see him born again. I want to weep and travail. I want to lay hold of God. I want to touch the hem of his garment. I want to see Sinner saved, birth of God, born again, right here. There ain't nothing like it than to be a soul winner. He that winneth souls is wise. 
Look, it ain't all I'm doing. One man sows, another man waters, and God gives the increase. But it takes somebody sowing, somebody watering, and God will give the increase. Thank God for it. Who can forget Hannah? 1 Samuel 1 and 11, she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed Look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and forget not thine handmaid but will give unto thine handmaid a man child. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life and there shall no razor come upon his head. That's Hannah's burden. That's Hannah's cry. The Bible said that, she, uh, that her husband, you know, because the Lord had shut up her womb, that he would give her a worthy portion. That means a, a double portion to go and sacrifice uh, unto the Lord. But she wept and she cried and she wouldn't eat. And her husband said, why won't you eat? She said, don't understand my burden. You got that other wife, uh, Penina, and you got children through her. I don't have a child. I am barren. I, I, I feel like... Uh, I'm incomplete. He said, I love you more than 10 sons could ever love you. She said, but it don't fulfill me. Hallelujah. It don't fulfill me. Do you know that Jesus, when he birthed us into the kingdom of God, he said, I'm the I'm the vine and you're the branch. And a branch just don't feel like it's on the vine if there's no fruit hanging from it. Come on, help me preach right there, somebody. I said a branch don't feel like it's connected to the vine if there ain't no fruit hanging from it. He said, he said I brought you forth that you would bear fruit. I prune you back that you'll bring forth more fruit and that you would bring forth much fruit. Oh, yes, sir. God desires us to be fruitful. And if we don't see that, there ought to be a longing. There ought to be a crying. There ought to be a, 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 a praying and a fasting. Oh, God, give us children lest we die. Do you know in the church, I thank God for our seniors. Yeah. I do. Because most of them are quality saints of God. Right. Sound in their faith and in their doctrine. Committed, faithful, giving, hardworking. I want to tell you the church would be in a pitiful shape without most of them. But if you don't ever see souls born again, you don't have a move of God at some point. If you don't see revival, there's not souls being born. When you bury all of those seniors, uh, you're going to close your church down. Do you know it's the heart's cry of those seniors that have sons and daughters? Uh, oh, God, save my children. Oh, God, save my children. Then it becomes that prayer. Oh, God, save my grandchildren. They live long enough. God, save my great-grandchildren. Not just mine, but others. Amen. It has to be the heart's cry of the church for things that are never satisfied. Number one, the grave. And number two, the barren womb. 
I don't care if we had a move of God 20 years ago, and we have had moves of God through the 20 years of this church's existence. I, I can point to everybody here, and most of you came in during a time of a move of God sweeping through our church. You were born again, and you're here because of it. We have to have that happen again. There has to be seasons. For everything, there's a time and a season. The Bible said there's a time to sow and there's a time to reap. I want to tell you, if, if, if you're not reaping, then it's time to be sowing. They that sow in tears will reap in joy. They'll reap in mercy. My God, if we're not in the season of reaping, if souls aren't being saved, then the barren womb is never satisfied. How that womb was saying, I exist to bring forth. I'm only here to produce. I should bring forth life. That is the heart cry of every child of God. That is the reason the church of the living God exists. Is to bring forth. Amen. Four things that will never be satisfied. The grave. The barren womb. The next he said the earth. That is not filled with water that dry parched earth that longs for the rain is not satisfied with just a sprinkled drop that dry parched ground is not satisfied just with the dew of heaven that comes in the morning with the rising of the sun the Bible said that the mercies of God are new every morning with the rising of the sun. You know what? I've always considered that to be the dew of heaven. The sweet presence of God. His mercies are new every morning. When you wake up in the morning, there's going to be dew on your windshield. Dew on the grass. Roads is going to be a little wet and a little slick with the dew. Even in times of drought, it keeps uh, things alive just enough to keep them alive and from it not being a barren desert uh, wilderness. Uh, and I want to tell you, on the ground, it's parts for water. The dew just ain't good enough. It burns up first thing in the morning. It don't satisfy what the earth is longing for. One thing that's never satisfied, the Bible says, is the earth that is not filled with water. This, there, there's something about dry ground that longs for it to rain. Not a sprinkle. Not the dew of heaven. I'll tell you something else about the dew. The mercies are new each morning with the rising of the sun. What that says to me is God in his mercy through your midnight hour, weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. 
in our darkest hours the mercies of God are keeping us in our darkest times the mercies of God are what is sustaining us and the mercies of God are that when you wake up is that God leaves a little evidence God leaves a little proof that he was with you through the night and that he was there through the night and that he watched you and kept you through the midnight season of your life he leaves the residue behind the dew of his mercy and I want to tell you there's sometimes we need more than just the residue of the mercy of God I need a deluge I need a flood I need a good soaking rain of the Holy Ghost to saturate my soul I thank God for every service that we have where the sweet good presence of God was there the word of God was preached but you know what I'm talking about every now and again something from down in the depths of my soul says Lord I cry for more there's a longing in me that cannot be satisfied by anything or anybody else but an outpouring of the Holy Ghost you're going to have to rain on us Lord you're going to have to pour your spirit out on us Lord I gotta have a breakthrough I need a touch I need you to pour out your spirit on me if nobody else wants it pour it out on me if nobody else gets touched I need your touch four things that are never satisfied you're the you're the pastor you pray and you study Man, God speaks to you and you get happy and you get excited. You're always up there shouting. I mean, when's enough going to be enough? Oh, there's some things that are just never satisfied. He said that's earth that's not filled with water. Amen. When my soul is resting in the presence of the Lord, I'll be satisfied. But not until then. Amen. When I wake up in glory, I'll be satisfied, but not until then. You can give me revival today. And I want to tell you by Monday morning, I'm going to wake up and say, Brother Bob, wherever you're leading me, Lord, is a dry and desert land. Our nation is perishing. We need the rain. We need you to pour out your spirit upon us. I can leave revival on a Friday night and come back here on a Sunday and preach uh, and the next church I go to on Monday, it'll be just as parched and just as barren and just as dry and I, there I'll be again. Oh God, I need you to rain. I need the outpouring of your spirit. It just seems that that is the forever longing of our soul. The earth. That is not filled with water. What are you made of? Dust of the earth. The earth that is not filled is never satisfied. Woo, hallelujah. I want to tell you tonight, if you're saved and you haven't yet been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Oh my God. There ought to be a longing. There ought to be a desperate cry in your soul. I remember 
I grew up Pentecost, watching my grandpa shout, watching. When I wasn't with grandpa, we, we might have been at Chickasaw First Assembly. We might have been at Celeste Road Assembly. But wherever we were, they, those churches had life in them. The Spirit of God moved. I can remember Jericho marches. I can remember people shouting. I can remember seeing people laid out in the floor. I, I, I remember as a boy just seeing signs and wonders and, and miracles and be, being saturated in, in, in church services where the presence of God was a reality in my young life. But I, I grew up in Pentecost, but I never got born again until I was 22. <laughs> it, it's possible. Do you know that Gideon said, Lord, if, you, if you've really called me, I'm going to lay a fleece out on the ground. If you've really called me, I want you to let all the, all the earth be soaking wet with dew, but let my fleece be dry. And in the morning, all the ground was wet, but the fleece was completely dry. That was me. I'm telling you, the whole church can be saturated in the Holy Ghost, and I'd go out bone dry. Want to know why? Because I didn't seek. I didn't ask. I wasn't saved. I didn't want anything. I grew up in Pentecost. I was used to the shouting, used to the preaching, used to the singing. But when I got born again, my, 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 my. When I got born again, oh, yes, sir. I really started living then. I can remember singing Victory in Jesus. The, the part of the chorus says, he loved me ere I knew him. Now all my love is due. He plunged me to victory beneath a crimson flood. I thought I never had victory before in my life, but I got it now. I remember singing Amazing Grace, thinking I never knew what Amazing Grace was, but I know what it is now. <laughs> Hallelujah. But there, there was something in me. But Tim would preach and give that altar call and Holy Ghost would move and saints would be shouting. They'd be shouting the victory, running the aisles, jumping up and down, falling out on the floor. I'm standing over there weeping and crying, Brother Bob. And I, I remember saying to God on a Sunday, Lord, I don't know what's wrong with me. After church was over, I stand there crying. Brother Tim said, what's wrong? And I said, I don't know what's wrong. I said, but I don't have what they have. I said, I don't feel what they feel. And I said, there's something wrong with me. He said, is there sin in your life? I said, no, there ain't no sin in my life. You're not doing anything that you're not supposed to be doing? I said, no, sir. I said, I'm born again. I, I am in love with Jesus. I'm praying. I'm here when the doors is open. I'm paying my tithe. There ain't nothing I can put my finger on that I'm doing. He just grinned real big. He said, well, and that's easy. I know what's wrong with you. I said, well, please tell me. He said, you said you don't have what they have and you don't feel what they feel. He said, that's the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is not beat and drink. It's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
That's exactly right. Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. He said what they got and what they feel is the joy of the Holy Ghost. They got the victory. <laughs> I can remember my grandpa testifying. He said, when we testify, he said, you hand it over to one of those saints of God. They might take it away from you. You might not get it back. He said they had two testimonies. The way they liked to start it out was either, I thank God I'm saved and sanctified and full of the Holy Ghost. He said they was going to stand and say, thank God I got the victory. Woo, hallelujah. Thank God I got the victory. Hallelujah. He said they got victory, son. They're expressing joy. That's what that is. He said, what you need is a baptism of the Holy Ghost. I said, man, I've been around that. I've been hearing that my whole life. I said, how do I get it? He said, same way you got saved. You got to ask for it. He said, and if you ask and it don't come, you got to seek for it. And if you seek for it and it don't come, you got to knock until the door gets open. That's how you get the Holy Ghost. You ask and you seek and you knock. That's how you get it. You just stay in this altar and keep praying and keep seeking until you get it for the promises unto you. There's one, there's one thing that won't ever be satisfied is earth that ain't filled. Earth that ain't filled. Hallelujah to God. Earth that's not filled. Do you know what your body is? It's the temple of the Holy Ghost. Do you know what Christ did at Calvary he bought that he bought that that right to that body he bought this life your body is not your own amen it is the, the property it is the it is the house it is the temple of God you are not your own amen we exist now to, to house the Holy Ghost to be filled with the Holy Ghost that's the reason why he saved you. And the earth that's not filled with water should have a longing in it, should have a crying in it, should have a desperation in it. And I want to tell you uh, one thing about ministry to, uh, to everybody who's saved and full of the Holy Ghost. It ain't just new converts that ought to be longing for this. I found this has been the theme of my ministry. This has been the theme of my message. Years ago at Al Psalm, Brother Ed Wilson, I didn't, it was the first year that I was going to be teaching a pastoral ministry class, and he said, Sister Edna and I prayed over this class on who would fill it, and he said, we both were in agreement that it should be Brother Sullivan. I want to introduce you to Pastor Eddie Sullivan. He said, we've been all over the state of Alabama. We've preached in the majority of our of the churches in our fellowship, and we know that this is the man that needs to that needs to teach pastoral ministry. And I'm glad you're going to get to sit under him for the next four hours. He said, "We we we believe this is one of the most Pentecostal men in our fellowship in the Alabama district." And I was honored by what he said, Brother Bob. But I thought you ought to be able to say that about every. Tom, Dick, and Harry that's carrying a card in his wallet. Right. Come on. Right. If I'm in the fellowship, I ought to be Pentecostal. Amen. Right. 
That's just the honest truth of the matter. But I thought, man, I know preachers that are much greater preachers than me. And if I'm one of the most Pentecostal men in the state of Alabama, that ain't me patting myself on the back. That's me saying, oh God, Alabama needs it to rain desperately. Hallelujah to God. All of our churches need to be putting out uh, David and Megan Wilsons uh, and other lay preachers like are sitting uh, right here. Yeah, we ought to, God ought to be squeezing us out. Uh, amen with the heart cry. Lord, I exist uh, to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You bought me so that you can fill me. His ministry, if he fills you, is to pour you out. God is to pour you out. And once you're emptied out, that earth that's not filled is back in the same altar, praying the same prayer, longing the same longing. Fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody said, oh, the burden of seeking for the Holy Ghost. Oh, the job and the task and the burden every time that preacher gives the altar call. I gotta go down there and say, no, no, no. With joy, with joy, with joy shall you draw waters from the well of salvation. It's a joyful thing. You want to know the most joyful season of my life is going back to when I was 22 years old. A young man, freshly saved, seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I might start over here with four or five men yanking on this arm, yanking on that arm, pushing my head down, bending my neck back, pushing me forward, pushing me backwards. Turn loose, let go. Send the fire, send the rain. Oh my God. I started over here one night. I'm weeping, crying, sweating. My shirt's untucked. My hair's messed up. And when I come to myself, my face was in the corner. All the men were sweating. Everybody's voice was hoarse. Everybody was tired and winded and wore out. But you want to know what happened to the Bob over the course of two months? Me praying every day, seeking God like there'd be no tomorrow. Revival came to that church. Revival came to our church. Why? Because men, men begin to cry. He needs the Holy Ghost. Fill him with the Holy Ghost. Lord, send the rain. And when you pray for somebody else, if you need a little rain, God will rain on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know how many times through the years preaching in a camp meeting, in a youth conference, I remember one year at, at, at uh, McClenny Church of God at a youth conference. His, his brother Shannon's boy, Colton, he's 16, 17, 18, somewhere up in there. But I thought about there's a pastor's son raised in a pastor's home with, with a grandpa full of the Holy Ghost, a mom and daddy full of the Holy Ghost, sisters full of the Holy Ghost, a pastor's son surrounded by a church uh, full of the Holy Ghost. Uh, 
He's been in as many Holy Ghost filled meetings, Lord, as I have. He's grown up in it like I did. It reminded me of myself. I got in that altar on a Friday morning, or it may have been, I think it was a Saturday morning, the last morning of the youth conference. I looked that boy, and he's about that tall. I looked him in the eye, and I said, I want you to be filled with the Holy Ghost today. And I'm going to stay in here with you until it comes. I mean it. We're not going to pray for five minutes and quit. We're going to get filled with the Holy Ghost today. Because God said he would fill us with the Holy Ghost. We must have prayed for upwards close to an hour. I prayed my voice was gone. Sweat was popped out. I've been sweated out of my shirt. Nearly out of my tie. You know, the tie was off. The top button's unbuttoned. I want to tell you, I was drained and weary and worn out. I looked at, I looked at that boy. Service winding down. We're about ready to close it out. I said, let's pray one more time. One more time, they're getting ready to dismiss. I just grabbed him up around the head. I began to pray again. The singers caught what was going on. Amen. We've had them here before. I can't think of the name, not the church family. Amen, but we've had them here. The Nesbitts, they caught what was going on. They started singing another song just to not let it close. Me and that boy got to praying, and I don't know at what time that Colton got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I have no clue. I don't know exactly when it happened. Sister Darlene, you want to know why? Because when I told him, we're going to pray one more time. And I got a hold of that boy, grabbed him on both sides of the head and started praying. Oh God, don't let the final amen come until you rain on us from on high. Don't let us close this service out. I feel it right now. Hey, my God, I done preached until the Holy Ghost has come. I feel him. I said, oh, God, don't let us close this service out today. This boy needs a baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I want to see him get it. I want to tell you when I prayed that prayer, God came down, Brother Daniel, and filled me with the Holy Ghost. I mean, I don't know what all I did. I spun. I jumped. I ran around. I flopped on the floor. And when I come to myself, about 30 minutes later, got myself all gathered back together. Oh, fixed my hair. Tucked my shirt in. Dried my eyes. Colton come up to me. Thank you, Brother Eddie, for not giving up on me. I wouldn't have the Holy Ghost if it weren't for you. I said, you mean you got filled? He said, yeah. You didn't see it? I said, no. I was getting filled too. Woo! Hallelujah to God. I wasn't spectating. That same cry is in me tonight. That's in the young man. Oh, God, fill me. Fill me. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The earth that is not filled with water can't be satisfied. You might have been filled yesterday. If you like me, 
a minister of the gospel, you're going to get poured out and you're going to need to be refilled tomorrow. If you live in a home with lost loved ones, you're going to burn that up somehow fighting off worldly or carnal influence, fighting off the attacks of hell. You're going to burn that up and you're going to wake up needing to be filled tomorrow. You're going to go to school. You're going to work on a job where you're fighting off worldliness and sin and carnality. You're going to burn that up and you're going to wake up needing to be filled tomorrow. At dry ground, at earth not filled, never going to be satisfied. And then last, the fire that saith not is enough. Hallelujah. The fire that saith not, it is enough. Amen. You've got hell fire that won't ever be satisfied. The Bible said hell hath enlarged itself. Amen. Hell hath enlarged itself. As big as hell is, he wants the next backslider. As many people as there are in hell tonight, he's waiting on the next drunkard. He's waiting on the next drug addict to overdose. He's waiting on the next sinner to die lost. Amen. He's pulling and tugging on the heart of God's faithful. Amen. To turn their back on God. Burning, burning, burning for one more. Amen. That carnal tongue that the Bible said is set on fire of the course of hell. Oh, it just seems as though that gossiping tongue can't ever stop talking. Can't that lying tongue can't ever stop telling enough tales. Woo! Hallelujah. You're preaching, Brother Eddie. Thank you. Amen. That fire that says it is not enough. And I want to tell you, God knows how to fight fire with fire. <laughs> Amen. God knows how to fight fire with fire. And one of the best ways to fight a fire with fire is to backburn something, Brother Bob. Is if I burn it up first, the wildfire won't have nothing to burn up. Hallelujah. I said, if God burns it up first, there won't be nothing left for the devil to burn. Amen. Want to know what that fire that says it's never enough? Yes, sir. You guessed it. The same as the rain. Same as the spirit poured out like water from on high and like rivers of living water out of your belly. It's the Holy Ghost and fire. It's the fire that ever burns in you and says it ain't enough. It's the fire that burns in you to preach, but it ain't never enough. You want to know when I'm going to preach my last message? Most likely when I quit breathing. Oh, when Jesus comes back. Brother Roy Drum, at 90 years old, went to the nursing home. He hugged my neck. I said, Brother Drum, it's his last Sunday night service. I said, Brother Drum, did God speak to you? He said, he did. I said, what did God say? He was going to the nursing home, would never be back. He said, the Lord said unto me, 
Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give unto thee a crown of life. He said there's a nursing home attendant that needs to know Jesus. There's a doctor that's going to make rounds in that home that don't know the Lord. And there's some old people about to take an exit on their way out to meet God that have never been saved. And I'm just changing venues. I'm changing locations. But I'm going to preach till I die. Hallelujah. I'm going to burn until I die. Hallelujah. Said I'm going to burn till I die. You know what I'm called to be? Firebrand, not a popsicle. Amen. A firebrand, not a popsicle. I, I wouldn't know what to do if this fire wasn't burning in my heart. I ain't called to do nothing else but this. I ain't, I ain't after this to be rich or famous. I'm not seeking nobody's applause. Amen. But this fire, uh, the, the, the psalmist said, my tongue like the pen of a ready rider. I'm, Jeremiah said, I was weary and forbearing, wanted to sit down and swore I'd never speak in his name again, but his word was in me like a fire, shut up in my bones. I couldn't stay. I couldn't stop. I had to go. I had to tell somebody what won't ever be satisfied is this fire of the Holy Ghost burning in the pit of your being, burning to tell somebody. Them two boys, they were of a sad countenance on their way home from Jerusalem to Emmaus. But after Jesus got through preaching to them, they said our hearts did burn in us while we were in the way and he was preaching and talking to us. He said when at once he revealed himself to us, we had to come tell somebody. I preached that years ago, burning to tell somebody he's alive. Burning to tell somebody he's alive. I'm still burning to tell somebody that Jesus is everything. And without him, I'm nothing. I can't make it without him. Four things that will never be satisfied. That grave. Oh, no. The barren womb. The earth that's not filled. And a fire that says it's not enough. Hallelujah. Three out of the four of those represent us. Amen. That barren womb. That earth that's not filled. And that fire that says it's not enough. That grave, amen, Christ defeated that. He makes a mockery of that. That grave's defeated. I don't have to worry about, I don't have to fear, fret, or worry over that grave. When it comes to that barren womb, my heart cried tonight as a pastor, is Lord, give us children. Else we die. My heart cried. As a man of God, as Lord, the earth that is not filled 
can never be satisfied. Fill me, fill me, fill me, fill me with this Holy Ghost. Don't let the final amen settle upon this service and me not be full. And this fire that says to God, Lord, it's not enough. Burn in me, Lord. Burn in me. Burn in me. When the devil tries to come and set me afire on the course of hell, oh, I'm burning up with the Holy Ghost. He finds nothing here, nothing here to set fire to. Hallelujah. You know, in order to be filled with the Holy Ghost, God's got your tongue. You know that, don't you? Amen. If God don't have it, the devil wants to set it on fire. If your heart don't burn with the Holy Ghost, the devil wants it to burn with hatred. He wants it to burn with jealousy. He wants it to burn with carnality. If you give it to God tonight, he'll ignite it with Holy Ghost fire. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I have felt God in this house tonight. Amen. There's some things that I don't, I don't ask God to satisfy until that trump sounds. Amen. It's three out of these four tonight. Lord, would you come? Quench the, the longing, the thirsting, and the need of my soul. I'll wake up with that same longing again tomorrow. But Lord, tonight it's needful that you come. Pull your spirit out on us. Would y'all help me tonight, Sister Meg? If you're able, stand all over the house with me tonight. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the word of God that you've laid upon our heart for this service, Jesus. Thank you for speaking to us as only you can, oh God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the barren womb that cries, give me children else I die. Thank you, Lord, for the earth that is not filled with water, longing to be saturated, longing for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost to fill that parched ground. Thank you, Lord, for the fire that says it is not enough. Thank you for burning in me, O oh God, with this unquenchable, all-consuming fire Oh, God, that needs you to fan the flames. That needs you, oh, God, to burn yet the hotter and yet the more. Oh, for our work is not finished. God, we've not seen that yet accomplished for the purpose for which you've called us. I need you to burn in me, Lord, with this fire of the Holy Ghost. There's some here, Lord, that have never been filled. It is my desire. It is my longing. God, there is a desperation in my soul to see you pour out your spirit upon us. They've been born again. They're redeemed. Their name is in the book of life. But oh God, create a hunger, a thirst, a longing, a desperation in their very soul, a crying out for the rain and for the fire and for the power. Lord, if there's one here that's not born again, my prayer is that sons and daughters will be born in this altar. 
Oh, God, give us children, else we die. Hallelujah. Save our loved ones, oh, God, our sons, our daughters, our family, our friends, our neighbors, our classmates, our co-workers. Save them, lest they perish and lest we perish. Oh, God, as a church, save them. Let that be our heart's cry. Would you meet me in this altar and pray that prayer with me tonight? Hallelujah, as many as will. Oh, God, fill us tonight.